We have a God who is unbelievably good and amazing things that he does. I want to share with you briefly again from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. So if you want to turn in your Bibles there, you can put your fingers in it. We're going to be camping out there. Um, I was at a coffee shop a few years back. Uh, you might be able to guess which one if you can read this. Um, and I saw they were selling these cool burlap coffee bags, right? So the coffee beans, they get shipped in here to coffee restaurants and, and then they need to get rid of them, right? They have no longer a use for these burlap sacks. And so they, some give them away, some try to make a profit. And I thought, you know, I bet I could use that. That's pretty cool. I like coffee. I roast my own. Maybe I could make something out of it. So then I dig around and I find, because uh, I have tons of this around, um, some wood. I have lots of wood. And what I decided is I was going to take apart this bunk bed that I had made in college and cut the wood up, repurpose it a bit, and uh, I decided then that I was going to make one of these. How many of you have one of these in your house? Ouch. Uh, it's actually just a trash can and recycling can. Like I just put them in here, and then that's what I use, that's what I use in my office. But I thought that was that was kind of neat. And then I discovered that there is this trend, and you can Google it, called upcycle, not recycle, but upcycle. And so I went to the authoritative truth. Wikipedia, and I found out upcycling, also known as creative reuse, is a process of transforming byproducts, waste materials, useless or unwanted products into new materials or products to be perceived of greater quality. So I thought I did a decent job with my upcycle project, took unwanted stuff, made something useful, but I didn't think it was a super fancy illustration. So uh, I did some Googling, and I found a picture here of another example of upcycling. Some of you know what that is. That is a very old Apple computer. And somebody decided that it was no longer functional or valuable, and they turned it into a mailbox. That's pretty creative. I asked the staff, hey, what have you guys upcycled? What creative projects have you given or done? And they're kind of like, well, there's nothing too exciting, nothing that's more exciting than your garbage can. Um, except they found another picture online, which they sent, and this is a great upcycling reuse of jeans. <laughs> You're welcome. You will never be able to unsee that again. Upcycling. It's the process where artists or craftsmen Make masterpieces, perhaps, that have new identities and new purpose. So if you've flipped or apt, or if you're at home and you've pulled open your Bible, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God fashions broken people, into a masterpiece that displays his wisdom through Jesus. And one of the ways I've been thinking about it is it's a, it's a glorious upcycle. Because God takes what was broken and gives it new value. So if you think about it, well, before we dig into this too far, before I get too excited, I think we should probably take a moment and pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to teach us this morning. Lord, we need you, Lord Jesus, to apply your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you to fulfill your promise where you say it does not return empty, but accomplishes what you desire. 
Lord Jesus, would you meet with us? Would you apply your words to us today? In Jesus' name, amen. So back in the beginning of your Bible in Genesis, you read sometime about how God made you and created you in his image. You are like a representation or a reflection of who God is to the world. But, as we see in Romans 3.23, and this says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I see some amazing people out here, but it applies to you too. All have sinned. That means your purpose to be a reflection and an image of God, it has fallen short. We have fallen short of that glory. In other words, our purpose, our intention, our created use has been broken. But the amazing thing is, God is the best upcycler ever. If you read in Ephesians chapter 2, he, the Creator infuses life into broken materials. Look with me at Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us. Before we go on, I just need you to pause right there. If you have to like go and check your stove if you're at home, if you tune out because blah, 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 blah on stage, hear this and this only. God loves you. You see it right there. In fact, with your permission, I will paraphrase some pronouns here. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loves you, even when you were dead in your trespasses, may you alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. The Apostle Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Back in my days as the children youth ministry director here at VBS's many years ago, we would do this thing called the gospel hand. I even made you do it last week if you were here. And maybe some of you remember it. I know some of you still remember it. Uh, And all you have to do is you have to hold up your hand like this. And this is a simple way we teach children the truths that we just read. And see if I can remember it this morning. It starts with, first one, you repeat after me. God loves me. me. I have sinned. sinned. Christ died for me. me. If I believe... I can be in God's family. God's glorious upcycle, taking that which is dead and giving it life. And I hope if you come this morning and that hasn't been true of you yet, that you wouldn't leave or you wouldn't close that internet browser or shut your phone off until you make that your confession and your belief that you become made new, a new creation in Christ. And if that is true, if if you come this morning and you know you're a new creation in Christ, sometimes what we need to do as believers is we need to remind ourselves of God's love. So here's a challenge for you. Go through the book of Ephesians, at least chapter 1 and chapter 2, with a pencil or a pen, and every time you see the phrase, in Christ, or in Jesus, or pronoun, in him, underline it or circle it and then dig in what is that saying about me in christ so for example verse 4 chapter 1 even as he chose us in him in him 
In Christ, you have been chosen. There are all kinds of great verses that help you recognize your new glorious value as a creation. In fact, if you're techie, you can go to where this sermon is going to be posted, and I've underneath that written out for you some fill-in-the-blanks that you can work on, where it says, in Christ, blank, and then a verse, and then you get to do your homework and figure it out. God upcycles. He takes the broken people and refashions them into a new masterpiece, and in doing so, he gives them a glorious purpose. We read that in our verse in Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created, oh, here's another one, in Christ for good works. God has created you for good works. You might be sitting there thinking, well, that's probably true for those pastors or those VBS volunteers, Uh, but you might be sitting at home and watching this and thinking, but how does that really apply to, to me, just the insignificant person who believes in Jesus? But think about this. As you are made new, as Christ lives within you, you are being made more into his image. And the way maybe that you interact with people and do your business or your job with integrity that Christ is growing in you is going to be like a beacon to the world that says, hey, there's something different about this person, and if they get to know you, they discover that it's Jesus. Or maybe God has been giving you an incredible amount of patience to deal with those troublesome people in your life don't look around. And as people see the way that you react in love, they see Christ in you. Or maybe the things you build with your hands, the people you serve, how you manage your employees, the way you relate with clients or bosses, it makes ripples throughout eternity, these good works that God has made for you to do. But I need to be very clear on this point because the Apostle Paul It's clear here. These good works God has made for you to do do not save you. It says so. Ephesians 2, right there at verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Because you are in Christ and saved, he has created you now to do good works. This morning I was reading my Bible, drinking my coffee, trying to wake up. I can relate. And I found in my devotional a phrase, a paragraph, that the Lord laid on my heart to share with you, and it's right on point with what this is talking about. It said in my Connect the Testaments devotional, following the right way doesn't mean relying on your own ability to be righteous through thoughtful actions. Rather, it means understanding our need for his righteousness. It is God's work in us, recreating us. It's his spirit directing our ways and making us new in him. So if God has made you, he has made me for good works, the question that just keeps going off in my mind is, how do I know what those are? Or the age-old question, what is God's will for me? And it's clear through Scripture that there are two things I can tell you with confidence about God's will for you, even today. First and foremost, God's will for you will harmonize with his character and moral will. God reveals through his commandments, God reveals throughout Scripture who he is and what he is like. He reveals like that he is love. 
And in 1 Corinthians 13.6, for example, he says, Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So in that verse alone, I can know God's will for me is not to make a financial profit by being deceitful or lying. Because that just is incongruent with who he is. We can know that God's will will be congruent with his character. It will also harmonize with the gifts and talents he's given you. You see, when you were made new in Christ as a new creation, the Holy Spirit, we read in the Bible, gives you spiritual gifts. Those are talents, those are abilities that aren't originating in your flesh, but are given by the Holy Spirit when you were made new. And his will will harmonize with that. I'll give you a brief example from my own life. You might not know it if you don't know me, but I am very much an introvert. I grew up in a homeschool family, tight-knit family. We loved each other. I had a few good friends, and I was good. That's all I needed. And if you would have told little Ben Webb that he was going to have to get up and speak to a bunch of people or, or lead worship in front of a bunch of people, I would have laughed and said, you're crazy. You got the wrong person. But God knew what spiritual gifts he had given me, and he started forcing me into some very scary situations where I was forced to lead people. And I discovered the weirdest thing. It gave me joy in my soul. I was, for some unexplainable reason, not bad at leading people and at teaching. As a high schooler, I was leading small groups in my youth group. I had never been in a small group. I had never been in youth group. So as people looked at what was going on with me, as I recognized what God was doing, is like, this is Jesus. This is a spiritual gift. It is not from my flesh. God has given you all spiritual gifts if you trusted in him, if you're made new. And discovering what those are, maybe by allowing God to push you outside of your comfort zone, is huge. I also have in my sack of goodies here, find your spiritual gifts. We as a staff value this so much. We want to provide for you. You can find them in the office and talk to one of the staff. This is a survey that you can fill out to help you evaluate what are the spiritual gifts that God has given me. As you think about God's will, ask him to reveal your gifts. Ask him to show you what you're passionate about. Consider where God has put you in your situations. What are other spiritual leaders saying to you? You heard me mention with the gospel hand, I used to be the children youth ministry director here before I transitioned to doing worship. And there was one day when I was in my former position here, just sitting in the booth back there, like those workers are, thank you tech team, and the two pastors, Pastor Nick and Pastor Tom at the time, kind of came into the booth, and at that point I was kind of feeling like, you know, this looks more like a cage right now. Like, I'm cornered by these two pastors. I respect them, but this is intimidating. And there had been an opening in the worship position for a while, and then they looked at me and said, have you considered praying to be the new worship director? And I kind of like, um, maybe I should? I was terrified. Like, my bosses are saying, don't be a worship, youth director, be a worship, I don't know. Anyway, I prayed about it. And that's obviously where God led me. So what are the spiritual mentors in your life saying? Are they recognizing in you 
some strengths and some gifts and saying, have you considered this? Or do they recognize in you, hey, this has been a dangerous thing. This is being negative influence in your life. Maybe you need to step back. Where is God leading you through all of these things? But importantly, be submissive to God's will. As we think about God's glorious upcycle, God's glorious purpose for you as an individual, though, if we leave it at that, we're missing a major point Paul is making here in Ephesians. You see, yes, you are a new creation. You are a masterpiece. I think of it as like a beautifully spun thread. But that thread is much more magnificent and shows off the wisdom of the creator as it's woven into a bigger tapestry. And that's the point Paul is making when he's saying, you are God's workmanship. He is throughout Ephesians saying so clearly there is a glorious church that God has been fashioning from the beginning of time to reveal his wisdom. And it's explained in chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Paul is explaining to me, Apostle Paul, Though I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, hidden for ages in God who created all things. Here it is. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. God is weaving us as individual masterpieces into a grand tapestry that is his church. And it reveals his glory in amazing ways. And we don't need to look any further than this past week at VBS. We heard about how we had 215-some kids, 80-some volunteers. And it was an amazing week. We had amazing volunteers. And I see some of you here this morning. Thank you. But even as great and as a masterpiece that you are, not one of you can cause a child's heart to say yes to Jesus. All of you put together with all of our lights and snacks and games cannot cause a room full of children when asked, who wants Jesus to be their king for hands to shoot up? That's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's God displaying his power through individuals united as the church. So if God's purpose includes you being part of his glorious church, you have to consider maybe how does God want me to be involved in the church community? Yes, it could be Emmaus, it could be broader than that, but I know that right now it's easier than ever to be a consumer of church. Right? You can come in the doors, say hi to people, kind of sit in the back, not making fun of you in the balcony, but it is dark up there. And then to sneak out after you've sung the songs, done the dance, well, at least this week. And that's it. But there's so much more for you. Or it's easy for us who are tuning in online. You know, there used to be a phrase called the bedside Baptist. Now I think of it more as like the lazy boy Lutheran. <laughs> right? You can tune in online and just sit there and watch the show and then turn it off and go about your day. And I am so glad if you are tuning in online that you've joined us, but know this, there is so much more for God that God has for you in community and in relationship in his glorious church. So think about how you can be participating. Coming up this fall in not that many weeks, home groups are starting up again. You can serve and volunteer in the tech booth. You don't have to have a degree in science 
We will teach you all that you need to know. You could be a musician. Or even right in front of you, there's that little card that says connect. You could just fill that out. Drop it in the box on your way out. It's the first step to engaging with this church. Or if you're online, there's a form that you can fill out there. You see, God fashions broken people into a masterpiece that displays his wisdom. He takes broken materials with a glorious upcycle and gives them new purpose. He makes us into his glorious church. And the end of our verse, it says that we should walk in them. So how do you walk in God's glorious purpose and his works for you? As I was reflecting on that this week, for me personally, I found that there were three confessions that I needed to make and a challenge. And I'm going to leave these with you. I'm going to say these are my confessions and I'm going to challenge you, make these your confessions and then take the challenge. So confession number one, this might sound harsh, but this is preaching to myself. Confess your selfishness. There it is. Burst your bubble. I'm a selfish person. Because when I get out of the morning, I just want to do what I feel like doing. But rather, maybe when I get out of the morning, I could be thinking, Holy Spirit, what, God, what do you want for me today? What are you putting in my path? What is your will? Or as I mentioned, I'm very much an introvert. And my natural mode of working is, if people will just leave me alone, I can get my stuff done and everything will be good. But that's selfishness because God has created me as a part of a tapestry in a church, in relationships. Secondly, I need to confess my pride. How do you try to control the work God prepared for you while attempting to maintain control of your own plans? Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, not so much that. I really feel like your will should be for me to do this today. I love to control my environment, and I suspect I'm not the only one. And when I find myself being frustrated when God interrupts my plans, I know there's a problem. Confess my selfishness. Confess my pride. Confess your worth. Yes. Confess your worth. Because sometimes we see ourselves still as this broken, damaged piece of goods and we do not yet confess the new reality to which God has made us. Maybe we feel like we are worthless due to the hurt that's been done to us, rather than seeing ourselves, as God describes us in Ephesians, as chosen and redeemed in Christ. Maybe we see ourselves as damaged due to our own bad decisions, rather than new creations that are blessed with all the riches of heaven in Christ. Confess your selfishness. Confess your pride, but confess your worth if you are in Christ. And lastly, spend time with the Lord. It's not at works, it's relationships. Spend time with the Lord, allowing Him to chisel away the selfishness, the pride, and to shape you into the image of His Son, into the image of Christ. I want to leave you with this video from the Skit Guys. And as you watch this, be thinking, how has God fashioned me into His masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, 
maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear heavenly father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. With the platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things or life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But 
Keely chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years. These empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay chisel away just just be prepared for what you're going to find in there because I know who's inside there because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see because deep inside there this 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 little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult and I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end?
I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. God. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a uh, it, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello. Oh yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? I hear you say that you love me even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times did I hear you say you want to use me and I feel so useless if you'll take me and use me then God I give you all that I am Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece.